Welcome back. We are wrapping up this series, Auld Lang Syne, with the final week. Uh, there will be peace when you're done. And we're going to talk about the end of Revelation and the coming of the new heaven and the new earth and all of that. And it, it's a lot to get into, but the point of this series for me that I hope has gotten across is the Revelation isn't as scary as we think it is. Now, there are a lot of ways to look at it uh, in a negative way, a lot of ways to look at all of the, the scary descriptions and all of the, the awful things and think, wow, man, if there's not a rapture first, then this is going to be awful. Or uh, if there is, like everybody left. And, and yeah, I'm not going to dismiss how bad the seven years will be. But all of it was planned out to give people one more chance, to give everyone, every single person alive, another chance, to give all of us a chance to be ready before that. That's why it's so important. And that's why uh, one of the things I've said frequently in this series is I, I love Revelation and I've studied it a lot and I've read commentaries and I've talked about it. I've taught about it, all of these things. And I'm nowhere near an expert. No one is an expert. A lot of people have a lot of different theories. And there are a lot of things that, that I think, a lot of things that, that I believe. But the only truly important belief in this is that Jesus will come back again and that he will uh, make a new place for us and give us a chance to live at peace forever. And so I want to start with this last scripture. This is Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, uh, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. So even though this is a, a wonderful imagery and a beautiful thing, it's still kind of a weird way to, to say things. And again, this is John. Imagine for a second what he's been through since he was called, uh, since he was exiled and he's there and he hears Jesus' voice again and, and he sees a vision of him and then he goes up to heaven and sees everything in heaven and, and sees the elders and sees Jesus and sees what's coming and, and sees things that he has no ability to comprehend. Uh, whether it's electricity or computers or planes or whatever. He sees all of these different things. And now he's seeing the end of everything. He's seeing peace. He's seeing what's coming for him. He's seeing his brothers. He's seeing his family. He's seeing heaven. And, and so he's just overjoyed and, and just completely in the moment in what he's saying. And just a couple of things with this. Uh, it, it says a new heaven and a new earth. Now, the way that that new translates is not how... Uh, for Christmas a couple days ago, we got some people got new socks or new underwear or a new car. Thank you very much, Lee. But uh, whoever, just joking. But uh, just whatever it is new like that, it's new fresh. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough way to describe it with, with English, but it's, it's fresh. It's new in character. It's complete. It's perfection. Now, you can read that and be like, wait, so heaven isn't perfect right now? No, no, no. Heaven is absolutely perfect right now. Uh, but as it stands, when, when we die, our soul goes up to heaven. Now, in terms of whether that's physical or not, you know, God is perfect and complete and heaven is physical and your soul is like your body. But then after Jesus comes back, everybody gets new bodies like he did after uh, the resurrection. New bodies, physical bodies. And so heaven is in a new place, kind of. And it's so confusing. One of the things that I think, and this is not... Uh, me going theological, and I, I don't really have a lot of backing for this other than when I've thought about it. When people first started churches and first started thinking about heaven and hell, it was very much up and down. So heaven, people would picture in the clouds, and they'd picture people sitting there on clouds playing harps and things. And that sounds kind of awful, to be honest. 
Uh, but it's just because our limited understanding of God and our limited understanding of anything. And then so people would think of hell as, as down in the core of the earth or something. And then, you know, the more you think about it, you're like, wait, well, how would that many people fit? How would that much place fit? And, and I'm not here to, to crack open the code of all of this. But for me, uh, I think in terms of other realities, kind of. So not alternate realities like Marvel or what if or things like that, but just uh, planes of existence. And so heaven is this perfect, complete plane of existence that may be on top of where we are now. And so it's difficult, and I'm not going science, but it's difficult to kind of comprehend because we don't have the mind of God. But this is basically that combining. So all of Revelation has happened, and all of human history has had a chance to atone. And now everything is perfect. Everyone who follows him is together perfect. And so it, New Jerusalem coming down shows there's going to be cities. Uh, there's going to be maybe cars or horses or whatever. Uh, I know for a fact there will be at least one dog there. But hopefully not for a long time, but still. And so it's going to be perfect. It's going to be definitely not sitting on clouds. It's not going to be playing harps. It's not going to be, uh, you know, walking around and, and in robes. It's going to be life, but without corruption, without evil, without anything bad. So we're going to continue. Uh, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God, and they will be my children. So there's a lot here, and I skipped one thing from the beginning. I'm going to run back to it real quick. Uh, it says that the sea is gone. For the, the Jewish people, for uh, John, for everybody who uh, had an understanding, sea was separation, because, you know, it's not like in our day where you can get on a plane and fly over or get on a boat and fairly safely go across, although not cruises apparently, but still fairly safely go across, not Titanic, uh, you know. Titanic for a second. She really shouldn't have thrown the jewel in the ocean. That's wasteful. But uh, there's a lot of ways. Like nothing's really separated. It might be a 26-hour trip or whatever to get to Japan, uh, but it's not, you know, impossible to cross. People do it all the time. People do it every day. People are doing it as I speak. Uh, here, across the sea was huge. Like nobody knew, quote unquote, the new world. Nobody knew anything like that. It was it was a very different place. Uh, exploration hadn't really started yet. And so the sea was separate. Now, does that mean that when everything is over and heaven is perfect and we're all there, that there's going to be no water? I, I don't know. Uh, I doubt it, but I don't know. It won't be separate. We're not going to have the same worries, the same concerns, the same physical limitations. Uh, but that's not the point. The point is there's no more separation. And then he goes on uh, and John describes what he sees. And Jesus tells him, hey, no more tears. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more death, nothing, because everything is finalized, everything is perfect, everything is complete. And so when you look at the beginning of Revelation and you start and you're like, this is so scary, look at this part and be like, yeah, everything that happens in our life can be tough and we face pain and we face struggle and we also have triumphs and we also have victories. Well, now it's like that feeling forever. It's complete. It's holy. It's perfect. No more tears, no more sadness, nothing. Now, if you read this, you're like, well, what about the people that don't make it? Because it says who's victorious, which means those who follow Jesus, those who love him, those who have his love in their hearts, however you want to put it. 
Well, what about the people that are left? What about the people that didn't make it? Won't we be sad for them? No, but not because we won't care, but because God will be there. And it's such a difficult thing to explain when we don't really explain it, understand it. But if you've ever been in a church service or a, a camp or something where, or you've heard a song or, or seen something that just fills you with such joy and such hope and such fullness of the spirit, which we talk about in the church a lot, like just feeling complete and, and total and, and joyful. And, and you know, it, it doesn't last forever because you go home, you go to work, you do all these things. But if you have that moment, you have other worries in your life and you have other things going on in your life, but everything is focused on God in that moment. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you just feel him, you feel close to him. And that's what heaven is like all of the time. And, and so it's not that, that our hearts are gone. It's not that we don't think. It's not that we're not ourselves. It's just that we understand everything at that point. We understand, well, this is how it was. Like, people had a chance. And again, it, it sounds cold-hearted now, and it's not that. And God's not cold-hearted because this could have ended at Noah. This could have ended at any point when, when people suck, when people screw up, when people kill in his name, when people uh, are, do awful things in his name, when people do awful things to other people, when people just are awful. It could have ended at any point because we don't deserve second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, 98th chances. I said that weird, but we don't deserve all those chances. And yet, the reason I used Auld Lang Syne for the title is time passes by. Uh, regardless of when you think the end times are coming or what, when they're happening, time passes by because God gives, has given us all of this time to make amends, to have another chance, to have multiple chances, to look to Him. Now, as Christians, it's on us to be prepared and to be ready regardless. Whether it's right now, in five minutes, in 500 years, regardless, to be ready. And to show others that love, that desire to be ready and show them why and what we're living for and what we're doing and to treat them like that. And so everybody will have as many chances as possible. And it is awful that there will be people that turn away. It is. But there have always been people that turn away. And that is the great sadness that comes with the joy of free will. Because we get a, 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 a complete chance to choose everything we do. Uh, I'm sure that if you're a parent watching along with your teens, there are probably times that you're like, I wish I could make decisions for them. And your parents thought that for you. And maybe your teens think that for you right now sometimes. But it's like we all wish we see someone and we see where they're going or what they're doing, whether it's a friend, a family member, whatever. It's like, I wish I could make this choice for them. We can't. And it hurts to watch people make the wrong choices. Now, God has seen that through eternity. And, and Jesus mentions Alpha and Omega because God was there in the beginning and, and at the end. And he's complete. And that's another you know, can of worms in terms of, well, if God was at the beginning, what was before him? Nothing, because God. Well, but that doesn't make any sense because there has to be a beginning. That's human terms. And so we look at things in human terms. Time does not work the same for him. And so I'm going to continue. Uh, with this, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt murderers, the immoral, uh, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is the fiery uh, lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, come with me, I will show you the bride and the wife of the lamb. Now, this was not meant for us to look at this list and be like, okay, well, cowards, unbelievers, corrupt, murderers, immoral, witchcraft and idol worshipers and liars. So that's who's going to hell. Everybody else is good. Like any other sin that's not on that list, you're good. It's not what he's saying. 
And cowards is not, oh man, I'm so scared of, of you know, what's coming that I, I just can't do it. That's not what coward means either. It means people who have chosen themselves. They're so scared to, to accept Jesus, so scared to change their lives that they, they just turn away. They walk away. They're, they just can't do it. Now, after time, after time, after time, after time, and, and you know, after the last chance, that's, that's what that's talking about. People who just could not take that step. And, and the rest, it's, again, John's understanding and Jesus talking to him, and these are things that, that won't make it. But again, that's not the point. The point is, if you choose Jesus, if you follow Jesus, if you do your best to be like him, you're okay. If you're doing your best, you're okay. And, and I mean, if you love him, you believe in him, you're honestly doing your best. Not just saying, hey, you know, I did my best. No, I'm saying honestly doing it. Then you don't have to worry about that list. But if you're like, okay, well, I'm going to do a couple things and I'm going to do whatever I want and I'm going to choose myself and I'm going to choose this and I'm going to choose that and then I'll worry about it right before I die. That's what this is talking about. When you don't choose Jesus, regardless of how many chances, regardless of what your life is. And then we're just going to continue. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Uh, it shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper, as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high with 12 gates surrounded by 12 angels and the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Which, you know, just not to go back too far, but maybe that is uh, a glimpse into who the 24 elders are. But again, it's just theory. Uh, continuing, the angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square, as wide as it is long. In fact, the length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. Uh, the wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as pure as, as, pure as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones in inlaid with 12 precious stones. Uh, the first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, agate, I don't know stones, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprate, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl, and the main street was pure gold as clear as glass. Now, as you're watching this, I think that some of you probably hearkened back to, to before Christmas break and you're sitting in history class or watching history class on the computer, however you do it, and you're like hearing all of these names and numbers and stats and you're like, okay, this is important, but man, it's just a lot of stuff and I, I, it's not the same as reading about Armageddon or it's not the same as this. I get that. My point in reading all of that together was not to test you afterwards. I'm not going to have your parents surprise you with a pop quiz right now. Uh, I'm not going to have the teens surprise the parents with a pop quiz right now, which maybe is more terrifying. Uh, I just read that because it shows the measurements, not so we can be like, oh man, you know what, I've got this, so I can recreate this city on earth right now, and, and, and then I'll be just like John, or I'll just be like, I'll be able to make my own version of Jerusalem. Now, I am not a carpenter or anything, I assume that 1,400 miles is what is that, roughly half of America, almost, something like that, so it's a big city, uh, so you're not actually going to build that, but... 
I include those, and I believe they are included, to show everything is planned out. God did not leave anything to chance. He didn't create life. He didn't create the world and then say, you know what? As this goes, I'm going to kind of play it by ear. And so, you know, as we get through the, the, the first half of life, uh, the first bit of the Old Testament, whatever, I'm going to change things up a little bit. And then, you know, after that, I'm going to be like, oh, man, you know what? It's been however long, so I'm going to send Jesus. And, and, and you know, we're going to give it this, this go. And they're like, oh, Jesus, he lived a good life and, and he showed people, but now it's the spirit time. And, you know, he's like, oh, okay, time's changing, so let's change how things are shown and let's, let's work with, no, no, no. He already knew all that. He already knew every single thing that was going to happen. And this plan of how things were laid out, this plan of revelation was so perfect and so complete, not just to be perfect and complete, but it was perfect and complete so that the most people, so that everybody would have a chance, so we would all be able to share in it. And he knew that not everybody would. He already saw that not everybody did. He knew what choices we would make. He didn't make them for us, but he knew what choices we would make. And so this shows us, hey, we live in a chaotic world right now. Uh, we, we live in a world where just everything is crazy all of the time. Uh, we've just gone through this incredible difficult year with, with uh, protests and with riots and with elections and, and with people hating everybody and, and with COVID and with other illnesses and with everything else just coming up uh, with troubles at school, with troubles at home, with troubles at work, everything. And so we're so used to this chaos of, well, I do my best. I plan as well as I can, but, but then something changes it and I don't know what to do. I've talked frequently about my life and how uh, I, I wanted to be a doctor, and then I changed to English because, you know, hey, lucrative. Uh, and then I changed to creative writing because, hey, you know. And then I, I changed to ministry because I felt called to it. And all of these different things, and my plans kept changing, and my plans keep changing. And everybody that's watching this, regardless of your age, you're watching this. And you have Christmas boxes all around. Now, maybe some of you have cleaned it up. But you, you're just sitting there, and you're like, well, I had plans for this today, but... It's kind of raining or snowing or whatever. I'm not outside. And, and I want to change things now. Or I had plans for, for this for my future, but now I've gotten accepted to this school. Or I really wanted to do this, but man, that class sucked, and so I need to change to this or whatever. We're so used to the chaos changing our lives, changing our plans, changing how we see things. That's not what God deals with. You see... God already has seen all of the chaos, and he's beyond it. It's not something that changes him. He does not need to change because he's perfect as he is. He's complete as he is. And so he planned out everything for us right down to how big the city was. And I'm sure there is a reason beyond what I understand, beyond what John understood, beyond what the angel is sharing. I'm sure there is a perfect reason for why those dimensions matter. For why 12 was an important number. And so some people, you can look at this a couple of ways. You can be like, well, there were 12 tribes of Israel and then 12 disciples. So that probably fed into each other. And so that's obviously why they made heaven with 12. No, see, because heaven probably came first. Well, definitely came first. And so then you go, well, wow, there are 12 tribes. It's, there's no way to figure this out. There's no way to know why 12 matters, why seven is a, a holy number, why the Bible has these numbers, and it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter to our salvation. And so why is this distance, why these materials, why these gemstones that I don't even know what look like? 
Why? 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 I don't know. But see, I don't have to know because God knows. And that's what's so amazing and so important about Revelation. And why I love it, because life is chaotic. And school is chaotic and home can be chaotic and work is chaotic and everything in our lives can be chaotic and beyond our control. But God does have control. And in heaven, we will see that. We will see a perfect home. We will see a perfect place. There will be no more homeless because everyone will have a home. There will be no more sadness because everyone will be surrounded by joy. There will be no more sickness because no more disease. There will be no more hate because God is love and he is everywhere. Now, you're looking at me and saying, hey, God's everywhere now. Yeah, but it's way different when we live in his city, we live in his heaven. That to me is the point of revelation. I love everything throughout. I love the, the, the theories about the Antichrist or the false prophet. I, I love uh, talking about the different signs and the bold judgments and, and the lightning and everything else that happens. I love it. Even Wormwood, like all of this stuff. If you, you could get me talking on that for hours, just standing there. And people have done it. Ask Stevie, my dog, like she has to hear it all the time. But the reason I love it so much is because in all of the chaos, in all of the craziness, in all of the, the almost sci-fi of Revelation, it ends with peace. Everything ends with peace. Everything ends with God saying, hey, there's a calmness now. There's joy. There's perfection. You don't have to worry anymore. There's no more tears. Everything is here built to the specifications that are perfect for you. Your house over there, it's perfectly how it should be. There's a sitcom not long ago called The Good Place, and I liked it. There are probably people that don't who think it was bad. I don't know. Uh, but I liked it. And, and it's not theology, definitely. Uh, it, it didn't try to be. But one of the things I remember from the beginning is when people died, and it turned out to be a trick and blah, 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 so I'm not getting into that. I'm just talking season one. When people died, they got like this house that was supposed to be designed exactly to what was perfect for them, even if they didn't realize it was perfect for them. Now, again, this is a sitcom, so funny stuff and clowns and all this stuff. Not what I'm saying. But heaven is the legitimate version of that. It's designed to be perfect for us, and we may not even realize it until we see it. Like, oh, wow. That is what perfection is. And so I'm going to wrap up this uh, scripture. I saw the temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of uh, sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the king of the world will enter the city in all its glory. Uh, its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone practicing shameful idolatry and dishonesty. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There's actually a lot there in that small paragraph. Uh, for one, it's like, hey, there's no more church. Now you're like, wait, well, what about pastors? And what about the, the church building? Why is there not a temple? Well, God's there all the time. Like, you don't, one of the reasons, probably the primary reason, hopefully, that we have church on Sundays or, or Saturdays or Wednesdays, whenever you have church, one of the primary reasons we have that is to learn to be closer to God, to be around other believers and to celebrate that and, and to worship together and to learn about God and, and to learn how to do a better job of being Christians and, and to take that out into the world. That's the point of church. I hope I'm not shattering anybody's ideas right now. 
That's the point of church. That's why we do this. To learn to be closer to God, to be around other believers. Heaven's that all the time. Like there's no set time because, you know, you walk outside your house, there's God. You walk inside your house, God is everywhere. Everything is perfect. Everything is complete. And so it's going to be different. And I, there are things I don't understand, but, but it talks about there's no night. You're never going to sleep? I don't know. You're not going to need to sleep. Does that mean that no one will go sleep? I have no idea. Uh, Jesus said different things in his time. And one of the things he said uh, was, you know, there'll be no need for stomachs. Does that mean there'll be no food? I don't think so. Does it mean you'll need to eat? No, because there'll be no hunger. Does it mean that you can joyfully eat with somebody? Probably. I don't know. And you see, the thing is, these are the things we focus on because as people, we look at the details because we're so used to the chaos. But here, everything is just perfect. Everything is set to how it should be, how it will be. And we will not have those worries because we'll walk into a room and it's a perfect room. We'll walk out of our house and it's a perfect out of our house. Outside, I guess people would say. We walk everywhere and it's perfect. Our life is perfect. Everything is perfect. We feel perfect because the corruption, the chaos, the the hurt, the anger, the sadness that carries us down here will be gone there. You'll still have your personality. You'll still have your heart, your brain. You'll still have you. But this shows us, hey, everything will be perfect for you. And so that corruption, the things that, that hold you back, they're gone. Revelation can absolutely be scary. And last week we talked about a lot of the scarier things, but it can be a freaky thing. And yet, just like the rest of the Bible, it all ends in hope. You see, Jesus didn't send Revelation to John to say, hey, let's scare some people. You know what? It's been a couple years, and John, you're, you're lonely, so let's see if we can scare some people and really make them worry and try to figure out exact dates. And we've had religions and cults and everything else built on when the end times are going to be. And we're going to scare people and freak them out and, and give these people a chance to scare each other and to, to be angry. That's not what he sent it down for. He sent it down to say, hey, everything you're facing, there's an incoming. I know when it is. You don't need to know when it is. Just be ready. Treat people like it's tomorrow. Love people like it's tomorrow. Love people like it's right now. Live like it's right now. Because it, it's perfect whenever it is. Be ready. Be smart. Do your best. Live for Him. And then, look, at the end, it's perfect. And that's why He sent it. Not for fear, but for reassurance. To say, hey, look, things will be bad sometimes. Maybe even a lot of the times. Things may even get so bad that it feels like there isn't a tomorrow. But there always is. As long as there is life, there is hope. And and at the end of all life, there is eternal hope. That's why we keep going. That's why we keep fighting. That's why we keep living. Because we are pushing towards this, not just for ourselves, but for every single person alive. We want to show them the way to this. One of the things that I've said that I like, and there's few things actually that I've said that I like, because I'm not a fan of myself. You cannot work your way into heaven, which means you cannot go out there and do good deeds. You cannot go out there and pray. You cannot go out and pray for salvation. I'm saying pray for other people. You cannot go out there and and feed the hungry. You cannot go out there and do everything right and then make it to heaven on that. You have to believe in Jesus. You have to give your heart to him and live for him. 
Now, if you do live for him, then you will do good deeds because you believe that. But the point is, you cannot work your way into heaven. However, through your work, you can show other people a chance of what it looks like to go there. They can see heaven through your work, through your actions, through your life, through your faith. That's what Revelation shows us. That's what this heaven shows us. This isn't, a, oh man, heaven's coming. I can't wait. This is exciting for me. It's, oh man. Imagine what it would be like to miss out on this. I want to show people more love, show them more understanding, show them more respect, show them more of a chance. Because God's showing that to me. So as we end this year, as we end this series, as we end this quarantine, hopefully, not for a couple months probably, but still, as we end, we look at the beginning because it's all tied up. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in the end, there is heaven. And we will be able to be there. Now, if you were hoping that in this series I was going to tell you, hey, this is when it's going to happen and this is what it's going to look like. It's not what it's about. But I will tell you, hey, when it happens, be ready. Not to scare you, but so that you can live each day ready and sure, not have that worry, not have that concern. And you can treat people accordingly. You can love them. As we end 2020, don't make the same mistakes you've made this year, last year, the year before. Don't treat people like they're worthless. Don't hate people because they're different. Don't be angry at people because they're wrong. Love everyone and love God and live like that every single day. 2021 won't be perfect. You won't be perfect. But we can do our best and we can live towards Him and we can live towards this heaven and show people that way. That's all I got.